Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,413. Today we'll be talking about NASCAR, so you better buckle up. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, you know what happens in Charlotte. It's the world of NASCAR a little bit back there with a very special guest, Jay Panel. Jay, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Let's do it. All right, we're going to have some fun. Now, before I introduce you and we dive into this new book of yours, which is very cool, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about you, Jay? Uh, I think one thing that people don't know about me is... Uh... And I, I love camping and I love, you know, let's take this outside of the racing world and the car world. I just really love going into the woods and going camping with my buddies and uh, try and make it as difficult as possible. Most ad adverse weather condi conditions. So that's probably one thing people don't really know about me outside of the racing world. Well, no, there's nothing like getting out into nature. And I think these days we're all kind of captured behind these computer screens and we see people posting pictures. I have some a lot of followers and I have some that take the most beautiful pictures and they're always out hiking and in nature. And I always say I need to do more of this because I live in the Pacific Northwest where there's beautiful hiking and trails and mountains nearby. I really need to get out and do that. What is the one thing about hiking that attracts you so much? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just disconnect. Like you said, we're, we're so in integrated and intertwined with technology these days to step back and step into the woods and and get back to nature where there's you know you don't you don't have cell service and you know if you don't make a fire you don't find some you know clean water then you're probably going to be in trouble so you know where i go camping it's it's not campgrounds it's it's really just kind of find a good spot and and set up a camp there and you know i was uh, covering the race at bristol motor speedway last month and uh you know roan mountain tennessee north carolina border right there is only about 20 minutes away so you know while everybody else was fighting for hotel rooms and you know probably paying three night minimums i got a you know really nice free spot about 6200 feet up in the air in on the road mountain uh state park so i just love to go up there and and just kind of get back to the back to your roots and and just connect with nature and uh it's just a really nice reset and you know there's nothing better than, than seeing what uh nature has to offer and, and getting out there and testing your your skills and your limits. Absolutely. Spectacular. Beautiful part of the country to do that as well. So there you go. Well, let me uh, introduce you. Jay has been part of the NASCAR industry for over 15 years. His career path has taken him from that of an independent journalist to social and digital marketing to team public relations and to NASCAR gaming. And once in a while, he gets out in the mountains and enjoys nature a little bit. He's written uh, for outlets including Fox Sports, NASCAR.com, Playboy Magazine, online as well, and Athlon Sports, and was one of NASCAR's first citizen journalists. I'll have to ask you about that. He also worked with Richard Childers Racing, RCR, Handling Public Relations, Content Creation, and Partnership Management. Jay has also served as the General Manager of the eNASCAR Heat Pro League, later moving to Brand Manager NASCAR and IndyCar with Motorsports Games. His new book is titled Start Your Engines from Sports Publishing, contains 34 chapters describing different inaugural accomplishments that have taken place throughout nascar history it's a fascinating read we'll learn a lot more about jay and nascar and everything else but first 
buckle up. We'll take a little break with our sponsors, give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up. But my usage was the same, and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Lipson, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars yeah has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. So, Jay, I want to go back in time a little bit before we talk about this book, which is really, really cool. I want to share this with some friends as well about you and NASCAR, because you start this book by saying there are a few things in my life that have been more constant than NASCAR racing. So what drew you into this field? Yeah, you know, I uh, I grew up in New Jersey right outside of Philadelphia, so there wasn't a huge racing community up there, especially when it came to NASCAR in the in the late 80s and early 90s when I was growing up. My mom's side of the family is from uh, the Mobile, Alabama area. So, you know, when I was when I was a young kid and, and all growing up, you know, I had heard stories of my family racing down there since the 40s. Uh, anytime we would go down there and visit, we'd always go to Mobile International or Five Flag Speedway. Uh, and I remember being a little kid and going to one of those races and the track didn't have walls on the back stretch or the corner and seeing two cars crash over and, and leave the track and, and go over the banking and disappear and, you know, up, up walk the drivers and they're okay. And it, you know, it just, it's something that, that really just stuck with me. The smell, the, the sounds, the sights, everything about it really just drew me in. And then from that time on, really my parents and my aunt, my grandmother, you know, they were really, really key in continuing my love and my passion for racing and NASCAR. I went to my first NASCAR Cup Series race in 1991 at Dover, watched Harry Gant win part of his Mr. September run. Growing up in the Philadelphia area, uh, you know, it was always the Phillies. Got to give a shout out to the Phillies. Hopefully they, they sure. keep going and, and get on that big run and go to the World Series again. Yep. But it was always the Phillies, the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers. But for me, it was every Sunday was racing. Every Sunday, every Saturday and Sunday was tuned into whatever channel the, the race was on. Funny, you know, having a having a book published and being a writer now for however many years I've been a writer, I was not very, I was not an avid reader when I was a kid. 
but my parents and my aunts and my grandmother really kind of saw, well, he has a passion for racing. So, you know, I had a weekly subscription to the NASCAR scene. I had a subscription to the NASCAR Illustrated. You know, we got the NASCAR yearbook at the end of every year. Auto Week, race, Stock Car Racing Magazine. Those are really the things that I enjoyed reading. And, and that's really kind of flourished, you know, how I, how I developed as a reader and a writer. Um, you know, so I, I've been able to kind of take a lot of those skills and, and put them to use, right? That that history of knowledge of, you know, recording every single race for years on VHS uh, and still having that collection. Wow. Uh, it's really kind of given me a lot of basis for the knowledge that I have in the in what I do now. Uh, you know, when I went to, when I started looking at colleges, I, I only looked at colleges in North Carolina and I really only looked at colleges around Charlotte uh, because I knew this was where I needed to be to be part of this industry. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I knew if I wanted to do it, I had to be here. So, you know, it, without that upbringing and, and a lot of sacrifices for my family, you know, my brother, oh, older sister, my younger brother, they are not NASCAR fans at all, but, you know, they got drug along to a lot of family vacations and a lot of races. Uh, and, you know, ultimately it paid off in, in a career that I've been able to enjoy for the last, you know, 15 plus years and hopefully for more to come. Well, my hat's off to you. I mentioned in your intro that you are one of uh, NASCAR's first citizen journalists. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So when I first really got into the sport was around 2006, 2007. Uh, I graduated college in 2006. And at that time, you, you had to work for a newspaper to get into the media side of the industry. There were no real websites outside of JSKI or NASCAR.com. And everything was really dominated by the NASCAR scene, the NASCAR Illustrated, Charlotte Observer. Uh, a lot of other really good, uh, you know, news organizations. So as a college kid and, and post-college, you know, graduate, a lot of my friends were in bands and punk bands and things like that. And they utilized MySpace uh, to promote their bands. And I saw that and was like, well, I could use that and create a NASCAR blog and use all the things that I just learned in college from being a history major and writing and improving my writing skills and try and take all this base knowledge that I have about NASCAR and ma marry it with what I know about writing and what I've learned about writing and marry it with my new social media knowledge of my space. And so I created a blog that way. And um, I was an intern at the Sports Business Journal, uh, working on the Sports Business uh, Resource Guide and Fact Book. And I just happened to be in the same floor uh, as the NASCAR scene and the NASCAR Illustrated. So all these people that I grew up reading, uh, really admiring, now I have all their email addresses. Yeah. They're all sitting behind me. Uh, so I would write race recaps and just email them to everybody <laughs> and, and kind of spam them and then go ask them for advice. So, you know, it's not like I uh, this isn't exactly the path that I had, cho you know, I chose to go down. You know, I did apply for different copy editor roles or, or um, you know, different journalist roles within news organizations. But I didn't have any experience, uh, but I wasn't going to let that stop me from doing what I wanted to do. So I went to the groundbreaking of the NASCAR Hall of Fame uh, here in Uptown Charlotte and was sitting there with a, pet, <laughs> a notepad and paper or a notepad and pen, uh, taking notes and met a guy who was starting a website by the name of Ray Everett. And uh, we worked on hardcoreracefans.com from 2007 until say about 2009 before I left there. And I was working full time basically as a writer, but I wasn't getting paid full time as a writer because we didn't have subscriptions. We didn't have ad support. We didn't, you know, it was, we couldn't exactly go out and sell a ton of sponsorship because our readership was, was growing. 
And so, you know, I was having, I had my first child at that, at that time. So it was, it was really difficult. You know, I was working probably at times three different jobs just to funnel money to, sure. you know, the bills paid and traveling to races. So I, I really did the citizen journalist thing from, uh, about, I'd say late 2006, early 2007 until 2012. There were a lot of ups and downs and, we didn't get a ton of support from the tracks or, or NASCAR at first, but as more outlets started to come about, um, you know, we, we kind of got roped into the what they call the uh, NASCAR Citizen Journalist Corps, um, you know, and they the whole goal of that was to provide more credentials uh, to the racetracks and get access to the teams. But a lot of that stuff we had already done and I had already done uh, for us. So it was definitely a lot of hard work, a lot of sleeping in my car, a lot of sacrifices both financially and on the family side and, and, you know, missing out on things going on with friends and family. But it was ultimately, I knew that that was what I needed to do to get where I wanted. A lot of side hustling is, is what I'm hearing here. Yeah. I mean, I was working, I managed a Ben and Jerry's ice cream store for, I worked at an ice cream store for about 10 years. Uh, I worked at indoor go-kart track. I was working at a melting pot fondue restaurant. Whatever it took. Whatever it took. And a lot of times uh, when I was working at the Ben and Jerry's, I'd have to I'd have to close the store for 10, 15 minutes. So I'd go in the back and make a phone call and, and interview somebody, open the store back up and stand there on the freeze, like have the laptop on the freezer, write my stories, you know, in between customers. So it was, it was definitely a lot of work. And, but I think it, it helped prove that I was dedicated enough to do this. Um, you know, and I think that people within the industry took notice of it, you know, and I think it's really helped build a, a nice, work ethic for me as well. So oh, no kidding. Wow. What a story. Well, let's talk about this book because it's a great fun. And I love the concept behind all these first, you take us all the way back to the beginning. And I wonder if we could touch on first and foremost, how did the book come about? Like where did this whole concept come from? Yeah. So I, I actually, this is the uh, a second edition. So the first edition, you know, I worked on that in 2015 you know, the way that came about was, uh, you know, I have a, a, a good friend and, and one of those writers that I grew up reading and uh, really admired and, and was probably one of the top three people that when I read articles as a kid, he was one of the people that I looked at and said, this is who I want to be like. Uh, and that's Ben White. And so he had written a couple books before. And I think, you know, with Sports Publishing and, and, and Skyhorse and they came to him with the, an idea and, you know, he, he just couldn't do it. He had too much on his plate, those kinds of things. Uh, and he told them to get in touch with me. So well, nice. it was a huge honor for me. Yeah. It, it really was to have somebody that you uh, looked up to and, and still look up to who's become a friend over the years uh, to, to kind of push them my way and say, this is the guy that, you know, should be doing this was, it was a huge honor. So, uh, you know, when I first worked on the, the first edition, I, mean, I was working at foxsports.com. So I was writing probably anywhere from three to seven articles a day wow. and then come home and, and writing this uh, kind of in my free time. So I, I had really wanted to update this book uh, over the last few years. You know, there were some things in the, in the hard, on the hardback edition, the first edition that I wanted to adjust and fix and some like small little typo typos that, you know, that nobody sees, but you see them, um, you know, so luckily I was, I was, I had wanted to do this for a while and, and, you know, the publishers reached back out and asked if I, was interested in taking this to, to paperback uh, and updating the book. So, you know, I've made updates uh, throughout pretty much almost every chapter has at least some updates. 
Uh, but then I also added five, uh, five new chapters uh, because there's been so many new things that have happened in the sport since the first edition came out uh, that it just seemed, you know, a perfect time for this new edition to come out. And, uh, you know, the 75th anniversary of NASCAR, there's a huge emphasis on, on the history of the sport right now, but also where it's going in the future. So I think this is the perfect time. There's a lot of new eyeballs on the sport. There's a lot of new fans coming to the sport. So seems like the perfect time to, to get a new book out there about uh, about the history. Well, it's two, about 266 pages, and I wanted to ask you, I have a, a set list of questions I ask people, but I'm going to mix some of these up as they relate to your book a little bit, if you'll allow me to do that. And one is what I call a driving inspiration, uh, somebody who's been very influential. If you look at all the chapters in here, and, and what I like about this is there's it's all broken down into short chapters, so you can kind of you know read a little bit and then take a break or go have dinner and come back, and uh, it's really fun because these little stories, is there... One story, if you can do this, that was, as you wrote this and put this together, the most inspirational to you? And did, did that inspiration come from the experience or from the person that you wrote about? You know, I think when you look at the the inspiration and kind of just uniqueness of the story, I think when you look at the, the first African-American winner, right, you, you know, that's a, that's a chapter that was uh, heavily edited and, and updated uh, for this new edition. Um, you know, you just look at what, you know, Wendell Scott had to go through and endure during his time in NASCAR, you know, racing in Jim Crow South and, and dealing with the inherent racism that, that was around the sport at that time. And, and not succumbing to being bitter or anything like that, but to, to just put his nose down, work hard and let his results speak for themselves. And, you know, I've gotten the, the, uh, the privilege to speak to his family. Uh, I was there when he was inducted into the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Uh, and just to, to hear how influential he has been just to their lives, but then to the larger NASCAR community, um, you know, I think that was really special. You know, I was able to update that, you know, because when I first came out with this book, you know, Bubba Wallace was just this kid who was coming up through the through the series and it was really unsure, you know, what he was going to do. I, you know, he had some truck wins, that kind of thing. But, you know, the, his future was was still very much up in the air. So, you know, now he's a multi-time winner. Um, he's really become kind of the face of diversity for, for NASCAR. Uh, and it, I think it's really great to see, you know, also in that chapter, we, we dive into some of the folks behind the scenes who are not necessarily driving the race car. So, you know, somebody like Darrell Edwards, who's, who's a good friend, uh, who was the first African-American pit crew member to win the Daytona 500, uh, and just his story and, and how he's taken it from being just a, a, a regular stick and ball athlete uh, in college to, you know, really seeing the opportunities within NASCAR uh, coming in here, making history, but then also giving back to the community and helping grow the awareness of the sport into, you know, areas of the country and, and the, you know, communities that, that probably haven't paid attention to NASCAR a lot over the last, you know, over the last 75 years. So I, I think that's probably the one chapter where there's just different people throughout that just continue to inspire uh, you know, and to help grow the sport to, to new heights. Well, it's pioneers like that that introduce new people that feel more welcome, that weren't feeling welcome into the field of NASCAR. And I kind of get that with the South 
And, you know, it struggled and it's getting better. It's come through. But uh, I can see how where uh, Wendell would be a great inspiration for you. So a privilege to write about him and to meet his family and so forth. Now, how about challenges when it came to writing this book? Was there one thing? In, I mean, books are always fraught with challenges, right? Am I getting everything right? Do I need all the facts? All these things have to come together. It's like juggling a lots of balls. Is there one thing in particular as you were putting this book together that was a real big challenge for you? Yeah, I think the... The first time I, I did this back in 2015, the biggest challenge was just juggling my my day job of writing so much. You know, I, I worked with a great team over there, Tom Jensen, who's now at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He was he was kind of our lead editor on the motorsports side, but uh, there was a lot of work to do, and, and we covered a lot of stuff. And to have to do this on the side and and kind of lots of hours in the library, so I can kind of isolate myself. That was probably the biggest thing the first go around. Uh, the second time, it was really just getting back into the, the the rhythm of writing. You know, I had not been writing in a while because I had been doing other things within the industry. You know, I had been with Richard Childress Racing for four years, where I would do some writing here and there, but I was mainly doing PR and, and video content and social media and stuff like that. Then went to the gaming side. So for a good eight to six years, I hadn't been writing every day. So to get back into that, it took a little bit, but it was like it was like riding a bike, which was nice. So. I'd say those were probably the two biggest challenges. I would guess so. My son is writing his first book. He works in the tech field, uh, but he's writing his first book. And I've talked to him a little bit about writing and the challenges. He's a he's devoured books his whole life. He got that habit from my wife because she just consumes books all the time. Probably why both of them are so smart. And he said, yeah, just... And he's got a full-time job, you know, more than full-time. And getting into that rhythm, he talks about the challenge with that and getting back into the book to, you know, it's just putting this big puzzle together. He's writing a novel, so it's like, oh my gosh, how do you keep track of all this this stuff? I think that's why it took uh, J.K. Rowling, what, like five years to write the first Harry Potter book? <laughs> you know, because right. to, to have all these characters and make it all work and flow and, you know, just the fact that so many people didn't want to have anything to do with her. Now they're looking back going, oh, we missed that one. Oh my God! I'm very, I'm very glad everything that I read about is based in fact in figures and not like something I have to create and, and intertwine together. So yeah, um, that's that's yeah. Well, the other thing I think the first go around that really was my biggest challenge uh, was I, I learned how to utilize Google Docs because I had not done that uh, previously, and I was writing on a, a laptop and it was a work laptop, and they. Had to do something where they updated an operating system or, or something, and I, I lost six, seven months worth of work. Oh, so, no. So that was a really tough pill to swallow. And, you know, there was some really good stuff in there that you knew that you weren't going to be able to recreate. But it, it took me a, little, a couple weeks to suck it up and, and just say, all right, man, I got I to gotta get back to this and really dive into it. So. I learned how to utilize Google Docs after that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that's a horror. Yeah, well, just, yeah, backing everything up and knowing how to work that. There's so many tools now, but I can't tell you how many people that say, I've lost everything. And people go, well, can't you just rewrite it? You wrote it the first time. You're like, yeah, right. you you try to remember even what you said an hour ago, right? Exactly. <laughs> so it's a hard yeah, thing to do. Yeah. Let's talk about a special vehicle in your life. Now, this could be a car that you've owned, or it could be, let's, let's maybe tie it to NASCAR if you'd like to a specific NASCAR team or driver in that car. Is there one in particular that stands out for you? Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to cheat here and probably say two of them, right? That's okay. Um, so I think the first one would, would have to be the old uh, Rusty Wallace midnight car from, from his, uh, you know, Penske days. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I was a huge Rusty Wallace fan. That was, um, that's who I cheered for from the very beginning. 
And I came down here in Charlotte uh, in 1996. My aunt and I came down for the for the Winston and the uh, and the Coca Cola 600. I'm actually wearing the T-shirt I got. There from you Winston go. That, I love it. By, by the way, uh, listeners, this room that Jay is sitting in it looks like a museum. I mean, of <laughs> memorabilia. It's pretty cool. Yeah, thank you. Um, so while I was down here in 1996, we went to all the race shops. Uh, so we went to Penske and met Earl Barvin, who was on the, the Team Penske team. He was uh, part of Rusty's crew. He was the Jackman some years, Pueller some years. He drove the hauler some years. Uh, he would later go on to be Jimmy Johnson's spotter uh, all through his, his championship runs. So we had met him in Dover years ago in, in like 1992, something like that. And reconnected with him at the race shop so he took us all around penske i met don miller i met all kinds of folks at the you know that worked on the cars and he actually picked me up and put me in midnight uh that rusty was going to drive that weekend in the coca-cola 600 Whoa. so that was uh that was a really special moment uh so that was pretty cool uh the other one i'd have to say is probably the uh the number 21 south point hotel and casino chevrolet that uh you know i worked on uh doing pr for daniel hemrick at richard children's racing you know, we we had a, a really incredible 2018 season. I think <laughs> I think we finished second maybe seven times and never won. But just the the guys that were on that team, the guys and gals on that team, you know, the the effort that we had that year. You know, we got to do some really cool things. We did a thing uh, in Xfin- Xfinity does this used to do the you know pre COVID they would do a huge takeover of Philadelphia uh, for the Xfinity series where they'd have drivers going around all over the city hitting different um, museums or schools or news outlets uh you know and i grew up 15 minutes from philadelphia and it's it's really kind of my hometown if you will uh even though i'm from new jersey but so one of the cool things we got to do was daniel was leading a parade around the city and then was going to be doing some burnouts uh in the car so we were trying to figure out ways that we could stream this way we could get it on facebook live and i was like man i wish i could just sit in the passenger seat and he's like well hop in (laughs) <laughs> and so we cleared it with NASCAR, we cleared it with Xfinity, we cleared it with the city. Nice. And so I got to ride around my hometown, hanging on to the roll bar with a, my cell phone in the other hand, yeah. all around the city of Philadelphia, which was incredible. We did some awesome burnouts, uh, which, you know, Getty took some incredible pictures right in front of Philadelphia City Hall with, you know, William Penn on top of it. And so, yeah, that, that car is, it has a special place in my heart, yeah. Well, it must have taken a week or two to wipe the grin off your face after that experience. <laughs> it, I think it, I think grin is still there. I look at pictures of it every once in a while and still can't believe I got to do it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So I'm going to crawl into your head and be a bit of a uh, car psychologist for you here. And maybe again, we tie this to NASCAR. I'm going to twist this up for you. Uh, okay. Typically, I ask people if they were reincarnated as a vehicle, what would they be? But in your case, if you were reincarnated as a NASCAR, what would you be? Oh, man. I think I'd probably have to be maybe like a 92, 93, like the Pontiac Grand Prix they had or the Ford Thunderbirds they had back then. Cause those things, that was the era when I, you know, I was really coming of age in the sport, you know, as a, as a fan, as a kid I, in 1992, I think I went to maybe like four or five races that year. You know, it, there's just something about the way those cars raced, the way they looked uh, that that's, that's really special. So that's an era that I've always wished I could have worked in. Uh, and been around those cars a little bit closer to and seen, uh, you know, when I was at the, when I worked at Richard Childress Racing, you know, there were a number of those cars in the museum from that era and it's always great to go up and see them. So I'd have to say something like that. That sounds cool. I love it. So I like to ask people about how they like to give back. One thing I learned about you is you currently contribute to outlets, including Racing America, uh, which helps young up and coming drivers uh, with marketing and partnership 
guidances. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've been working with Racing America probably since beginning of this year, kind of in a contractor role. So I do a number of things for them. I write, I cover NASCAR for them, which, which has been fun. I've been back on the writing side of things again, not just on the the book side, but on the weekly reporting and you know covering races, which is which has been fun and great. Uh, I've been getting some funny looks from drivers that I've been hanging out with on the non-media side for the last few years, and now I'm asking them questions. They're like, "Wait a minute, I got to be careful what I say here now." <laughs> I'm talking um, to a media person. He might repeat right. this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the the great thing about that is, you know, and this is something that they do, then they've been doing for for a while. Is you know they really cover short track racing all throughout the country at a level that, you know, not very many people do. So I think it's always great to to give back to the, you know, the racing community and bring more awareness to, you know, racetracks all throughout the country. I've learned about more racetracks this year than I ever did, uh, you know, places that uh, I never would have imagined have racetracks and are, are, are packing the house almost every weekend. So that's great to see. Um, you know, we, uh, we always put on a, a big thing for the Snowball Derby at Pensacola at Five Flags Speedway. So I'm really looking forward to getting down there in, in the end of the year for that. But to give back, I, you know, one of the one of the things I do is, you know, I developed a relationship with a driver by the name of Gavin Bochel uh, when I was at Motorsport Games. So we sponsored Gavin and he raced uh, micros and midgets on the dirt side uh, at the time. And so he was he's the same age as my daughter. Uh, so when I met him, he was 12. I think 12 or 13 years old out there racing. Um, you know, since I've left motorsport games, I've kind of worked closer with him just to kind of give him some guidance on this is what you should be doing for your social. These are things that cup drive, elite cup drivers are doing, you know, outside of the race car, outside of the gym, outside of the race shop that are making, you know, uh, lasting impressions, you know, best practices when it comes to working with the media, those kinds of things, helping them with, uh, you know, putting together partnership decks and things like that so he is currently the youngest team chevy development driver uh he drives christopher bell sprint cars uh he races for rackley war um in the pro uh, pro and super late models so uh, i think he had about 118 races this year and he's 15 years old so wow um, holy cow yeah, he's, yeah it's uh it's it's pretty incredible to, to see his development over the years it's been really cool to see him grow just in the time that i've known him uh, and, and kind of mature into from a, from a kid who was always dedicated. I mean, he was making laps. I, I didn't know him at this time, but he was making laps when he was in a go-kart when he was probably about two and a half, three years old. So, you know, he, he's kind of an aged veteran now at 15. But, you know, as we look to what comes next for Gavin, we look at the Arca series, the truck series, the Xfinity series. And those are those are real possibilities now. You know, he works with Josh Wise over at Chevy. So he's he's got a great path ahead of him, and I'm just trying to play a little part in that in helping develop him in that. You'll have to uh, introduce me to him so we can get him on cars. Yeah, that'd be great. I can definitely do that. Sounds good. So I always ask about books, but of course today we're talking about Start Your Engines, uh, a book by our guest today, Jay. And I'll put a link to his book. Uh, I would encourage you. This would you know the holidays coming up. This would make a great gift for anybody who loves to read books. And again, it's nice because you can grab little bites of it. And then go back and come back. And yeah, so a uh, wonderful book. I'll put links. Uh, again, published by his friends, uh, our friends at Sports Publishing. So uh, hats off to them for putting that together. So let's go on the ultimate drive. But again, today we're going to twist this up just for you, Jay. I'm going to put you in any car. But this time I'm going to put you in any NASCAR. Okay. 
This might be a little hard yeah. because we don't want to play favorites because we like all of NASCAR. Right. But just for today, I'm going to get you a seat in any NASCAR, and I'm going to let you run that car. I'm going to let you drive the car in, at any track, okay? Because you talked about learning about all these tracks, and you can take anybody with you. Could be the driver of that car, or could be somebody from the past that's no longer with us uh, that can maybe guide you around the track. So what does the ultimate NASCAR drive look like for you? He's got a big, huge smile on his face right now. <laughs> And it's it's really tough to to kind of narrow it down. One of them, right? yeah. You know, like I'd love to go back to to when the sport first founded and and, and you know being some of those old V eight boards running around that were just like you know moonshine cars. I'd love to ride around the the first Southern five hundred and and just kind of see what the carnage was there when they were eating up tires, um, you know. But it's younger me would have never imagined myself saying this as a as a huge Rusty Wallace fan, but my my four years and my four seasons at, at Richard Childress Racing, I, I'd have to say I, I would want to go around Talladega with, with Dale Earnhardt uh, and just be in the pack, see what he does, uh, how he reacted. Uh, you know, you, you walk through that shop and, and that museum and you can just you look at these race cars and, and you can just feel the presence of, of Dale there. And there was nothing like watching him at, at the super speedways, especially Talladega. So. I'd have to say, I don't know if I want to be driving, but it'd be pretty cool to sit shotgun and watch him work his way through the field. Although I'm sure he would complain about the, the right side weight. <laughs> <if I> was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no doubt. I can't even imagine that. I'm not sure if I'd have have the uh, uh, bravery to sit sit in a car. I mean, what a guy. Yeah, I was fortunate to have his daughter as a guest on the show here. And uh, yeah, quite amazing, uh, iconic personality in the sport uh, lost him way too soon for sure but that would be fun well could you leave us with some parting words of inspiration or wisdom when it comes to maybe working in this world of passion like you do yeah i think the the biggest thing i can offer for for advice is you know if you have a dream just don't give up on it keep chasing out of it um you know this is i, I knew that i wanted to be in the motorsports world i knew i wanted to work in nascar somehow and you know i feel like if, if you have that dream and you just dedicate yourself to it and you work hard, you don't take no for an answer. You know, not every door is going to open for you, but that's OK. You know, sometimes you got to move on to the next door. Sometimes you got to kick that door down. You know, so I think it's all about understanding the situation that you're in, doing things respectful and, and trying to create a good reputa uh, reputation for yourself. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things I see these days with with new folks coming into the sport especially on the media side you know they come from content creation or youtube or, or social media and a lot of times they go to the racetrack and they have to be the center of attention or they have to be asking questions or they have to be doing this sometimes it's best just to sit back listen observe and and, and kind of uh you know do things your own way and take it your own pace you know one of the people i've always been inspired by from you know the young from the earliest days of me understanding nascar uh, was Alan Kowicki. I actually have something sitting next to my my desk here uh, from a NASCAR scene that I cut out probably in 1992. Uh, it's a picture of Alan. It, it's all taped up and it said, you know, he did it his way. And so that's something that's always stuck with me. If there's a path that's not available to you, then get your machete out and start hacking one. There you go. Uh, because if, if you're determined enough to, to to get there and, you know, you you handle yourself properly and make a good name for yourself and you work hard at it, uh, good things will happen. Well, Jay, you're a great example of that. So bravo to you and what you've done. Fantastic. How can people follow you? Uh, you can find me on uh, social media. I'm, I'm most active on Twitter or I guess X now. 
My handle is just J-A-Y-W-P-E-N-N-E-L-L, J-W Pennell. Uh, and I'm, I'm on that on Instagram as well. And find me on LinkedIn, all that good stuff. There you go. I'll put links to all of these on Jay's show notes page here on the Cars Yeah website. And of course, you want to get your hands on this book, Start Your Engines by Jay Pennell. You'll love it. It's a great book. Uh, get a couple copies and share them with all your car buddies. Uh, they'll appreciate it for sure. Jay, thanks for being so generous today with your time your experiences and sharing a very inspirational story with us until you and I talk again, I'll probably see you at a NASCAR race. Sounds good. Thank you very much. You're welcome. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!